I am recording on the computer. I have two backup recordings going this time, and I have optimized my podcast recording situation for dog comfort. Excellent. Because Lucy is here, and she refused to sleep in her basket. Instead, she wants to sleep on my lap while I'm recording the podcast. So I had to change the whole setup. Like you frequently change yourself, <laughs> dog comfort. Dogs come first. It feels like it has been a really, really long time since we've recorded a show the way we were recording a show today. Like, honestly, like, it feels like it wasn't even the same show that used to do what we're doing today. I know exactly what you're saying. It's, it's like, oh, Mike, I talked to him a lifetime ago. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Well, okay, we have that, which is like, it just feels like it's been forever since we recorded an episode. Mm-hmm. But I mean more that you're not at home. I'm in a whole different country. I'm in America at my parents' house. Am I a whole new person? Because it feels like the person I used to be, he only existed in one location. And he never went anywhere. But the person I am now, the whole world is available. He can go places. He can see things. He can do things. What a, what a novel concept. The previous person doing things... No, there was there was no doing things. There was yeah. staying at home. <laughs> so yeah, it it does feel like wow, it sure has been a real thing since the last time we spoke to each other. So in our last episode, we were wondering if you were going to be able to make your various trips, and it seems like that you obviously have done it because you are in America now, you're with your parents. Uh how was your travel experience? Yeah, it's it's one of these funny things where uh, I know that previous me was quite concerned. I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I think we talked about like betting on if I was going to be able to do all of my travel plans successfully. And I think I gave it like 50-50 odds. I don't remember. Because you were adding the complexity in, right? Because you were going from home and then you were going somewhere in Europe and then you are going back yeah. home again and then to America. Did you end up doing that, by the way? Because I remember there was a conversation of whether you would just leave from location one. <laughs> Did you go home again and leave? Yeah, so the, the plan was from to go from London to Switzerland and then from Switzerland to North Carolina. But I was very concerned that travel complexities wouldn't allow that to happen. But from current me's perspective, it's a little bit like, oh, what was that guy worried about? Nothing was a problem. Like e- everything was really easy. And it's like, okay, it's travel the way travel is, the way I remember travel. There's just one additional piece of paper that you need to get and that's your covid test results Mm -hmm. and i had my test done they both came through just fine and at heathrow airport they were very concerned to look and check and scan the piece of paper and then they let me through and it was totally fine and at zurich airport literally no one ever looked at the test results (laughs) i never showed that document to anyone and i just flew to america so uh no problems whatsoever on the flying front oh so you did go from zurich 
to North Carolina. That was the final plan. Okay. That did happen. And the funny thing was no one checked the paperwork. I almost felt like I wanted to show the flight attendant on that flight. Like, oh, look at me. I have a test result. I did Nobody's it. checked it. I did it. Come on. That's my gold <laughs> yeah. star. I had all these extra plans. Like I spent an extra day in Switzerland to make sure that I had enough time to take the test and get the result, but not fly out on the same day to do with mm-hmm. the next day. So like it was, it was all for nothing. I didn't need to do any of that. So the travel could not have been smoother. And I was super surprised. But now I just feel like, oh, okay, great. So there's just one more piece of paper for travel. Travel is back on the menu. Great. This is the thing that you can do. So uh, yeah, it was perfectly smooth. So you went straight back into your old way. Because when when we traveled to Romania a few months ago, Mm -hmm. I noticed, like as we were talking about on the show, right, that I had lost some of my like traveling confidence because things were more complicated but for you it feels like you were just straight back into old gray mode yeah i I think it helped that i had the two flights so on my flight out to switzerland i was a bit like oh my god everything like airports are so big am i agoraphobic now i don't know i did have that a little bit on the way out but by the time i was on the way back like you know it's a shock surprise there's not many like Zurich to Raleigh direct flights so I had to take a couple flights to uh to make it to North Carolina but by that point like then I just felt totally normal it's like okay Mm -hmm. I'm just on a plane for a while this feels normal uh oh I have to change at an airport and get on another plane and it just feels totally normal so yeah I I think by flight two uh, it's like oh I got my travel mojo right back and no problems whatsoever so yeah I'm, I'm feeling great about it yeah I was totally fine on the planes, mm-hmm. it was the airports were complicated because, like, there were more yeah. steps that we had to to go through. Maybe that's going to change. Like, we're hoping to take a, a vacation in, in, like, a month or so. And mm-hmm. it will include, similar to you, like, a bunch of plane trips. Like, it's not just as mm-hmm. simple. Like, you could just get on one, get off, and you're there. And maybe that will help kick me in a little bit. I, I really would like to not have regressed <laughs> in that. Because I used to be such a nervous traveler, and I really just don't don't want that. I've not. I tell you, I have not got my packing situation under control. <laughs> like we take it a couple of like little weekend breaks in the last month or so, and mm-hmm. my packing situation is just it's a nightmare, and I'm not really sure what I have to do to get that back under <laughs> control again. I feel like I've forgotten how to pack. <laughs> I'm completely with you there. I already have. I've been making a bunch of notes on this trip of all of the things that I forgot that I do need to bring. So yeah. so that part of it, yes, like that's still more uncertain just because I'm out of the habit. But I feel like you and I have both gone through the same process with travel of like starting as very nervous travelers, then doing it a bunch and feeling like, okay, now we're confident haha business travelers mm-hmm. and then falling out of it during COVID. But I, I expect that you'll get back into it very quickly as well. Like when you once you do another complicated travel situation you'll go oh okay this is this is fine and then you can also start making all the notes for the things that you need you're like oh right i i need a time machine drive i need a little external drive because i can't have footage that i'm shooting in just one location because mm. one location is none location but i just totally forgot like oh yeah you need this this thing with you so i have a bunch of those little things we might talk about this in a couple of months time but i i don't plan to ever travel the same amount that i used to oh a couple of months time interesting okay in a couple of months time what's in a couple of months time i have no idea the around end the turn of, of the, the year, year. <laughs> oh <laughs> interesting uh, and so <laughs> i just don't plan to to do that 
anymore. I, you know, I will still I expect travel more than I have at certain points in my life, but not mm-hmm. to the level of like ten trips a year or whatever it was that I was doing in like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Right. Well, I look forward to hearing much more about that. So this this trip, these trips, mostly like relaxation focused for you, right? How has that been? Am I right in assuming that that it's been it's been kind of like get out of the usual flow, take a break in some ways kind of thing? I don't know. They've been, they've been it's been a real mix. I wouldn't say it's a clear like one thing or the other. Mm. At the start of the year, I did say like I like I'm going to see my parents and my family before the end of the year, like I just don't care what happens. And so that was part of this trip. It's like, okay, it's September. <laughs> like we're if if you're really going to do this, you need to do this at some point. So that's part of what this was about. But part of it was also working. And so one of the things that I did is the reason that I went to Switzerland is that was actually a writer's retreat thing that I was doing Ooh. with a couple of friends. I know, I know. It sounds so fancy. Did you wear a beret the whole time? Yes, I, I wore a beret and I was smoking a cigarette. And uh-huh. I, was, I was looking into the mountains. Bonjour, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was in the French-speaking part of exactly. Switzerland, which was hilarious. Good old French people always refusing to speak English, even when you know they can understand you perfectly well. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're always holding up that stereotype. I always think, oh, that's not real. That's just a thing people think. But no, it's totally real. But yeah, so it was it was great. And it is a thing that, you know, like I do work trips on my own, you know, great occasions where I'm just doing it like a dedicated period of work. You know, I've been lucky enough to be invited to some of these things with some people. And this is one that a couple of friends had been trying to arrange before the whole pandemic started. And then is, is one of these things that we just kept pushing back several months at a time for a year and a half until finally all of our schedules lined up. So that experience is a really intense working experience that's hard to describe because I feel like even on my own, when I do little graycations to just write and I'm by myself, those experiences are often very draining and like very focused times. But when you also have a few other people there who are there to do the same thing and you're also kind of checking in with each other on the, at the end of the day of like, hey, what did everybody get up to? It is really intensive. It's a really focused amount of work. And it was a great experience to, one, be able to travel to a different place. Two, be able to see some friends who have been trying to meet up with for a long time. And then three, be in an environment where I have you know what I think of as like colleagues And we're all there to do the same thing, which is get a lot of writing done in a short period of time. And so I basically got an entire script written in the, I don't remember exactly, like nine days I was there, which was pretty great. But it was very (laughs) exhausting by the end of it. Like I was completely tapped out just like no energy left can't do anything just got on a plane and and flew to america so uh yeah that was that was the first part of the travel which was very very work intensive like quite easily one of the most intensive Hmm. say 10 days of work that i'll do all year partly because other people are there and like we're checking in with each other and we're all here to do the same thing so it's very focused very intense I have some questions about this 
experience. Okay. What are your questions? Everybody's working on their own projects. Yeah, no one's working together. There isn't like a theme, like a over, like we're all going to write a script about such and such topic. No, no, no. There's, there's no theme. Okay. There's no structure to it. No, because also we're not all the same kinds of writers like we're writing different sorts of things so it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to say like oh we all have to write a script because not everybody is writing a script yeah so everybody has their own stuff that they're working on and there's there's just like a very vague at the start of it oh, okay there's things we want to try to accomplish and so for me it was i wanted to try to take a script that was basically just barely started and bring it to completion by the end and so i was able to do that and other people had their own targets for things that they were working on right and every day you're like checking in with each other. This is how much I did today. Do you set like tar- are there targets set in the day? Like I want to get this far through, and then you talk about if you did that or what? What does that look like? Yeah, some some people did that. Some people had specific goals of like, oh, I need to hit a particular word count, or oh, I need mm-hmm. to finish this particular section. I didn't do that because I never find. Yeah, I just don't find the the scale of a day makes a lot of sense for me. Mm-hmm. The scale of like the entire time I'm here makes much more sense to me. But right, so, yep. yeah, the, just basically the very loose structure is everybody's working on their own during the day. You know, maybe we, we get together for fancy beret cigarette smoking breaks as as we think about life in the mountains uh-huh. right yes exactly sacre bleu we oui. <laughs> yes we oh, uh sacre bleu uh tres magnificente uh los montanos oh jeez. okay <laughs> and so then then the only rough structure is we have dinner together and talk about what we were up to. Mm. And that's that's really the only set point. Yeah, it's it's just a useful environment because, you know, in, in many ways, the kind of job that I have, it's it's a very you're on your own kind of job. You know, you're just reading about stuff and then you're trying to write things and summarize it. And it's like a very, very solo job. And it is useful sometimes to be able to bounce ideas off of colleagues. And it's particularly useful to be able to bounce ideas off of people who do similar work, but maybe in a slightly different way or a slightly different field. So you can get a, just a different take on things. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very useful experience. And I always feel very lucky when I get invited to one of these kinds of things because um, I've always found it really beneficial. Do you not like think about trying to find a way to keep that as an ongoing thing? Or do you think it can only work in these short breaks in person? For me, it only works in these short bursts. Mm. I don't know, there's, there's a lot of things that I find effective in much smaller doses that as ongoing things I just don't find effective. Probably like partly the novelty of the trip helps that. Yeah, so I think novelty is a big part of it. I can convince my brain to be super serious about it in a really constrained amount of time. It's like, okay, we have to be working at 100% no jokesies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that's also why like it makes it more serious when you travel to a different spot. Is like, no, no, I'm very serious about this. Like I've taken time to go someplace. Right, why else would I be here? If I wasn't actually getting the work done, like if, if I wasn't going to get the work done, what was the freaking point in making this trip? Yes, exactly. And, and like, so I have, I've, I've tried at various times these kinds of, um, and just to be clear, I'm not knocking this. I'm just saying it doesn't work for me. The sort of thing where you try to, you know, on a much more regular basis, say like, oh, 
check in with people every other day or every week about what you've been doing. And I, I just find that I'm not able to maintain it over a long period of time. And my brain starts to, I don't know, just like not take it seriously anymore. And so it doesn't work. Mm. So yeah, it's it, it does sound like, oh, shouldn't you just do that all the time? It's like, no, it actually works so well precisely because it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. It's it's the same reason that it's like, oh, I take the graycations, you know, not recently, but like, you know, on occasion I take them to go to an intense period of work. And it's always super productive because my brain takes it really seriously. Yep. Yep. But let's let's say I went somewhere new every week to try to always just be writing really intensely. I think that wouldn't last two weeks. I think by week three, I'd go, oh, this is dumb. It's quite reductive, right? Like, it's like me just saying, why don't you just work hard every week? What's your problem? Like, I understand, like, I understand the why the question is so silly. Is, 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 on the face of it, makes sense. But in actuality, it's, it's pretty silly, right? It's like, it's like, no, I, I, no yeah. I don't. Like, here's the thing. I don't think it's a silly question because right. this is part of knowing about yourself and so like it's quite interesting but like one of the people i was with he does do the thing where he has someone to check in with him every day about what he's working on and like he finds that very effective and this is where you, you have to figure out like what works for you i just find like that doesn't work for me i become almost weirdly resentful of like having to check in with someone it feels like oh am i in school is this homework it just like it completely doesn't work. You have to figure out what works for you in your own life. And I think mm-hmm. it's this is also one of the reasons why it's very useful um, in these kinds of things to talk to other people about like, ooh, how do you write? How do you write? And you can sometimes pick up ideas and say, oh, that's something interesting I never thought of. Like, I'll give that a try and see if it works. And if it does, like it becomes part of your routine. And if it doesn't, it just doesn't. It's an interesting and valuable experience, but it's it's not something, you know, it's not something I could do every month. I, I think I would either die from exhaustion or it would just rapidly become completely ineffective. And my brain would just be like, we can't take it seriously. We're not here to work. We're on vacation in Switzerland. Like, like no brain. No, that's not what we're doing at all. We, we have to, we have to write scripts, you know, to pay the bills, to be able to do these writing trips. Like you can't, you can't just wander off and think that this is a vacation. That's not what this is at all. So that's what would happen, I think, if it was more regular. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So then from Switzerland, mm. we went out to North Carolina. Was that yeah. more of a... Is this been more of a relaxing time? Well, so here's what I would say happened. I don't know if, if you remember, Mike. Mm-hmm. Constant talk of the swamp of uncertainty that I was living in. Yep. <laughs> I think in in some ways... It worked out great to be able to do this writing trip with some friends. And in other ways, it was a terrible decision because after having the Sharks Project followed by the Tiffany Project and then immediately going into the most intense you know, week, 10 days of, of work that I've had in a year and a half, I really was just... You know, I was like barely alive when I got on that plane. It was it was brutally exhausting. Oh, it also doesn't help that the poem video that I was working on, one of my main goals with that thing was I was like, oh, 
I absolutely have to get this done before I go on the writing trip. Like, I need to be completely done with that project. But guess what? It wasn't done. Like, I didn't finish it in time. So the first few days I was there, I was really, like, just busting my butt trying to finish up the last few details on that poem video and get it done. And also, I was like, oh... I need to film a thing at the end. And so some very uh, sharp-eyed viewers did notice that those mountains are like, oh, those look like Swiss mountains. And guess what, viewers? You're exactly <laughs> correct at the end. Like, those are mountains in Switzerland. That, that was funny <laughs> for me because I watched the version without that at the end, right? And uh, I remember we were sitting down one day and saying to Adina, oh, did you, you want to watch the, the new Grey video? She said, oh, yeah, let's watch mm-hmm. it. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll watch it again. And then that happened. I was like, oh, you didn't finish it in time. Because <laughs> 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 like, I, I knew where you were. I knew where you were going. And I kind of maybe wasn't aware of the timelines. And it was just very funny to me. It's like, oh, you were still working on it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really terrible. It was like just one of these combinations of like, too many things went wrong and also that project like it would just take hours and hours to render on my computer and so it's like i just ran into these delays of it 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 lasted until the trip to switzerland that video though did give us like one of the great out of time moments so in our episode out of time you're like oh i don't know this video feels like it's gonna be terrible and it's got like 50 percent more views than the video it's about (laughs) which is fantastic yeah that is that is still a little confusing to me um that is a case where i was definitely very wrong in my prediction of how that video would do and so yeah it's the title i think the title really helped someone dead ruin my life again i think that Uh... title's really good like it's just a good title yeah, but don't say that. It makes me so sad. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. I hate the title game on YouTube. Well, we both do. More Texans know that we both really hate that stuff, but it's yeah. it's just a genuinely good title. I, I don't really feel like it's a clickbaity title per se. It's just a good title for that video, and it is, it's very representative of the content. Yeah, I don't think it's clickbait either because it is representative. But it still, it does make me sad that, oh, if I happen to have a worse title, I'm fairly certain my prediction of this video won't do very well would be more accurate. Yep. Yep. And that makes me really sad in my heart. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, if you subscribe to more text, you can listen to me cry about how I don't like how you have to have clever titles for your videos. Um, like a big baby. Getmoretext.com. <laughs> Getmoretext.com. But yeah, so that like, this was part of the problem is like, I had two nightmare projects in a row one of which split into two videos the second video ended up being what like i don't know a half an hour almost it was like forever long feature length is that how i keep describing yeah. it it's a feature, <laughs> feature length video <laughs> yeah it's a feature length video and then also my only goal in life was i have to finish this stupid poem video before i go on this writer's retreat and i completely failed and so then i was like just rushing so hard to finish it on the writer's retreat and you know mike this is a thing that just never happens like when i finish a video it is exhausting already so i normally take a couple of days off yep. like i just have to yep. But I'm in a situation where I'm like, no brain, boom, we got to like hit the ground running full speed tomorrow because I've already lost a couple days of this like only happens once in a while trip that's super valuable. So I just went like straight into writing another video, which I never do. Got to the end of the week. I had finished a script and then like this. So this is just to like give the listeners an understanding of like, I really mean it that when I got on that plane, I was like a dead man walking. I was mm. just totally tapped out 
in a way that I, I, I just kept thinking about it. Like, I think I haven't been that tapped out since I had the worst year of my life, which was my last year as a teacher. Um, when I, you know, quit teaching to do YouTube full time. And like that year was really brutal. And I remember the same thing, like that summer, I was just so tapped out from trying to manage my teaching job and also trying to do enough videos to push the YouTube channel over the hill to so it could be like a full-time position. I'll never forget that first summer after I quit my teaching job and I'm like, I'm going to be a full-time YouTuber. But also, I've totally killed myself to get in this position. So I just didn't do any work for a really long time. And I remember I happened to meet up with Vsauce that summer and he asked me, he goes like, oh, are you still doing YouTube or have you decided to quit that? And I was like, it was so crushing because I'm like, no, I've literally just decided that I'm doing it full time. <laughs> if you retired, I've only just started. <laughs> yeah, I've only just started, but I like I'm worried that I, I I like broke something in my brain trying to get to this position. To be fair though, that I guess has ended up that that interaction has set like a an ongoing precedent throughout your career, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no. Is Grace <laughs> not making videos? You know, like you have these periods every year or two. Is he is he done with that now? <laughs> yes, yeah. So like that was definitely foreshadowing of the shape of things to come, one hundred percent. But I just I just like I never forget that. And like every every time I see Vsauce, I always think of him going like, "Oh, did you?" I was like, "No, I just I'm full time now." Actually, thanks for asking. But yeah, so like I've I've just been, I was thinking about that a bunch this summer because I think that currently this is the longest period of time in which I have just done nothing work-wise since I I went full-time. So like since 10 years ago, I don't Mm. think I've had a a break this long. But it's also because for the same reason like last time, I think I've just, I had never been so tapped out from several projects and then a really intense working period previously. And here's the thing though, it's been great because when I, I got to North Carolina, I finally got to see my, my parents, see my family, see Lucy, who's uh, still sleeping on my lap right now, gently snoozing away. For the first few days, I, I had this little feeling of like, ooh, I should, I should get to work soon. Like, I really want to, I finished this video script. I need to, you know, now get this video actually finished so I can have something up for the month of October. But I realized quite quickly, the way I've been thinking about it is like, I needed to give myself a special dispensation. It's fine. You haven't taken a long amount of time off in a really long time. Mm. You haven't seen your family in a really long time. Just go with it. Like, just Mm -hmm. decide right now. This is always the key with things. Decide right now. You're not going to feel guilty about not doing work for a while. Just, you know, it's okay. You've given yourself a special dispensation. And as always, like, eventually the time will come when you're not completely tapped out and you're recharged and you can get back to work. But in the meantime, it's like, be with your family. Pay a lot of attention to the dog. Like, do some interesting things. And, you like, you haven't traveled. You haven't been anywhere. Like, just actually enjoy it so it's been basically a really glorious month to have after the completely miserable swamp of uncertainty and sharks and tiffany and everything else so i feel 
I feel quite relieved that I made that decision right at the start and haven't just felt guilty. It's like, no, you need to do this every once in a while. And if there's if there's any time it's legitimate to take a bunch of time off, it's when you're spending time with family you haven't seen in like a year and a half. So mm-hmm. it's been great. I've been very relaxed. As you know, Mike, I've been just like taking some walks. Behind my parents' house is a terrifying swamp, but it has a lovely little boardwalk. And so you can just like walk around and relax and do nothing. And yeah, spend time with my parents, help my mom out with a year and a half's worth of tech questions that she has <laughs> built up as like a list of things to ask me. <laughs> Great. That's what I'm going to do. And it's been glorious. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Today, many small business owners, they're busier than ever. Time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing a business. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier than ever to get to the candidates worth interviewing faster, and it's free. When you own a business, finding the right person to fill a role can completely change the way that your company operates. When you find that right person, this is something that I've been lucky to multiple times in running Relay FM. You find the right person for the role and it can take you to places as a company that you hadn't thought were possible before. That's what's so great about finding the right person and that's why you need LinkedIn Jobs. You can create a free job post in minutes to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. That right person is in there. You can focus on candidates with the skills and experience you need. Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash cortex. That's linkedin.com slash cortex to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of this show and Relay FM. So you posted a picture on Twitter of what I can only assume is a vast selection of Magic the Gathering cards. And I'm assuming a score thing, 30-30, or if that's not really sure <laughs> what this means, can you explain <laughs> what all of this is? Yeah, so one might wonder, they go, oh, you, so you've just been like hanging out with your parents for a month, like what can you possibly do? And the first thing is, my mom always does build up a lot of questions about the computer between my visits, and so she did have a literal folder full of sticky notes of tech questions that we needed to work through. But one of the other things that did come up is my mom expressed a little bit of interest in learning how to play Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. So she had seen my uh, the stream that I did on my channel, and she had heard us talk about the game on the show a few episodes ago. And she'd made some like just little comments that made it sound like, oh, she might be interested in trying to learn how to play the game. So I completely seized on this and decided, oh, great, I'm going to take this on as a project. I'm going to teach my mom Magic the Gathering. She seems interested. I also think she will totally love it. I took a picture at the end because I thought it was hilarious. But before I arrived in America, I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to teach my mom this game. 
I need to order a bunch of cards. Oh, but also, if I'm going to teach her, I need to. we need some dice to keep track of things. Oh, and also, we do need to have a scoreboard, because that'll be easier than writing numbers down, and it like gives people something to focus on. So I started ordering like a bunch of equipment, and I didn't quite realize until I actually arrived in America how many little Amazon boxes full of magic stuff were waiting for me on the other side. But anyway, it was very fun, like, opening it all up and getting out the cards. And it's been this interesting experience because the game is incredibly complicated and difficult to explain. I've had this interesting experience over the last several weeks, like, teaching my mom, who, by the way, has gotten very into it. Like, she is super (laughs) into the (laughs) game now, as I completely expected she would be. I'm sure it will surprise absolutely no one to hear that CGP Grey's mom is also a very obsessive kind of person who can really get absorbed endlessly in the details of a bunch of things. And so this is why I was looking at her and going like, oh, you'll totally love this. Like, if I love this, you'll love this. Mm. But so even though I haven't been working in the sense of, of writing a script, I feel like I've had this incredible experience, which is trying to explain this incredibly complicated game in a way to get someone else on board and it's it, it's i keep thinking of this phrase of like it's been professionally useful to me because when i make a video and i'm trying to explain some idea whatever it is one of the main things that happens as you write a script where you're trying to explain something is you can make choices about simplification. Like, how are you going to simplify an idea for the listener? When you research a topic, you end up knowing a ton about it. At least I think if you're doing a good job making a video, that's what you should be doing. You should have a deeper understanding that is conveyed in the actual video itself or whatever it is you're explaining. If you're teaching, you should understand the thing a level or two deeper than the level at which you're teaching it. So that always involves like simplification. You have to decide what parts of complexity are you going to skim over. You know, so like that's something that occurs in my my videos all the time. It's like I'm trying to simplify something down so that it is it's understandable more easily. But the problem with Magic the Gathering is that the fact that it is exactly this complicated is the whole thing. That's what the game is, is like there's all of these complications. And so I can't actually decide to say, oh, we're going to ignore the difference between this and that because the difference between this and that is critical and it matters and it will be the reason why you win or lose. Or you go, oh, I'm just going to ignore that this thing exists. But you can't because Tons of the cards will explicitly reference this thing exists. And so a person will go, what is that thing that exists? So I don't know. It's I've just found it like very interesting as a kind of problem or like a practice exercise in explaining something where you don't have the option to simplify. And the thing is really, really complex. And I've never had the experience as an adult of trying to teach someone else magic. And I do just keep thinking, it's kind of a miracle that anyone learns to play the game because you kind of need someone to be like an evangelist and tell you like, okay, listen, this is going to take two weeks. This is unlike any other board game you've ever come across. 
but I promise you it'll be worth it at the end, but it will never seem worth it until three weeks from now where you've not only like learned how to play it, but you've also been able to play it on your own a bunch and start to get a feel for it. So, hey, trust me, we're going to go on a three-week journey together, and at the end, you'll love this thing, comma, hopefully. Sign me up. <laughs> Mike, you're a very good friend of mine. I'm, I'm just going to say right now, there's no game on earth that is less for you than Magic the Gathering. Oh, do not get me wrong, my friend. I was being 10,000% sarcastic. I 100% already know this is not for me. I, I, tried, I downloaded the video game version. Oh, no. And I just opened it and kind of closed it immediately. I, I just could just tell. I don't know why. I just be like, no, this isn't for me. Like, just in general, card games, just like general card games, like I, I tend to just forget how to play them all the time i'm not very good with like uh board games like the remembering the mm -hmm. rules of board games and it kind of just is like no i can see where this is going and me and this game are not going to get along very well <laughs> no i don't think you wouldn't get along very well i feel like i endlessly talk about it but i also think it it is a interesting problem space because one of the things that I realized, I'm like, oh my God, how do new players get into this? It's so hard. And I feel kind of lucky that, oh, I first learned this as a kid when it was a much simpler game. It's like, oh, they've added complexity over time. So when I jump back in, I go, yeah, yeah, but I know a bunch of this stuff. Like, I remember the bones of it from when I was younger. But jumping in now, it's like, oh my God, there's so much to learn. And again, why it's so difficult to try to think about like, oh, how do I explain it? How do I simplify things? Is because, oh, there's a ton of rules and literally every rule has an exception to it. That's part of the point. So you go, okay, all right, this is very complicated right to start with. But also there are tons of things that happen that like the way I've come to think about it is they're not in the game they're just a thing that happens because this card says it should happen now. And it's like, oh my God, like how on earth do you explain this? And the thing that's been quite interesting to me is I can't stop my brain from working out, oh, how would I try to change this to make this friendlier for new players? And oh, there's just a bunch of pattern matching that's taking place and there are ways that you could try to explain that. So, oh, instead of having all of these things that can put players off, like, oh, there's orcs and there's goblins and there's wizards and some people just don't like that kind of stuff. It's like you could explain all of this just using shapes. You could say, oh, this card, it's a square and this card is a circle right. and that one's a triangle. And you have another card that says remove all triangles from the board. And like, oh, suddenly it's so much more understandable. It's just like, you're just matching patterns. You're matching these different words that are going on. But anyway, it's also just made me think a lot about what makes games fun. Right? Like, like why, why is it that a game can be fun? And a big part of, I think, what some people find fun about games, and I don't know if this is true for you, is... It's not so much the game itself that's fun, it's the figuring out how to play the game part that's fun. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, my wife and I, we got the board game pandemic and we played it for a little while. Great idea. 
It's like a Did great you say idea. bad idea? I said great idea, but I mean bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> no, it was great. Have you All played right. Pandemic, the board game? No, no, I've never, no I, I've never played it, no. I think you might actually like Pandemic. It might be okay. fun. But so here's the thing. It's like, oh, we played it. But part of the fun for me is like learning how to play the game. And I go, oh, okay. But at a certain point, I feel like I've kind of solved it it's like oh i know how to play this game i've gotten reasonably good at it Mm -hmm. and now suddenly the game just loses all interest and i just never want to play it again which is exactly what happened with pandemic and so my pitch for anyone listening is if you have this experience where you play games but then at some point when you feel like you've figured out how to play the game and then you just lose interest. You actually don't really want to play it anymore once you know how to play. It's like magic is for you. And it's one of the reasons why I really wanted to pitch this to my mom of like, oh, she should totally get into this. She would love it because I've seen her do this same thing her whole life where she learns how to play a game. She kind of solves it and gets very good at it and then totally loses interest in it. But what you're saying is with magic, there's always something to learn. Yeah, it's completely impossible to master. And so, like, I taught my mom how to play Settlers of Catan a number of years ago. And, you know, she used to play on the iPad. And then I think she basically became like a world class player and never lost and got just totally bored and was like, oh, okay, I've solved Catan. There's nothing more here for me. And she put it away and never played it again. Mm. But the thing that makes magic different is that every three months they come out with new cards and the new cards change all of the rules and mix everything up. And so like it's never, ever done. If the thing that you think is fun about a game is figuring out the game, magic 100% is for you. But the flip side is, oh my God, is it the most complicated game in the world to explain to another person and to get another person into and to like get someone on board with? So there's a funny way in which even when I haven't been working, I can see that the part of my brain that does the thing which is my career in some ways, which is explaining things. How do you do it? How do you make it better? How would you want to change this language so that it's more comprehensible to a viewer? Like that part of my brain is on vacation, but it's also had this interesting toy to like play around with while it's recharging. And I'm very happy that I have successfully taught my mom how to play magic. And she is successfully working her way up the ladder, beating the new players now. And she's super happy about it. And it's one of those experiences where I see her in the morning and she's all bleary eyed because she stayed up until two in the morning, like playing game after game after game, trying to, you know, beat people on the ladder. And it's like, oh, fantastic. Mission accomplished. Do you consider it a good thing that you can't turn that part of your brain off what do you mean what does it not ever make you feel like you can't like just relax because your your brain's always looking for something to explain to someone well i mean yes and uh, um here's the thing like i like to play games i've always played video games and you know now i'm just like magic is my life the reason that i like that activity is because It's like the only time that I do feel like my brain actually is relaxed. So it's a different experience 
playing the game, not trying to explain anything. And I just mean this for any video game. Like, it can be really absorbing. Like, I'm playing Factorio or Minecraft or anything. It's the only time it feels like my brain can just shut off entirely. That's part of the reason that video games have always been part of my life. And it's part of the reason why when I'm done with a video and I need to recharge, it's like, I'll just sit down and play a game for eight hours in a row and I will do nothing else. And it's like, it's completely quiet in my head and wow, how relaxing it is. So I use games to relax in that way. It's like, it's very hard to describe, but it's just, it's a way to be absorbed, to be pleasantly concentrating on something, but also in a way where it's just clear and straightforward and quiet. But yeah, in the rest of my life, I do feel like my brain is always chitter-chattering away about how to explain something, or, you know, I feel like, oh, my brain is very curious. What's this? What's that? What's that thing over there? Oh, how does that work? Well, how does this go? Like, that's always happening. But I also don't think I would have the kind of YouTube career that I currently have if I wasn't that sort of person. So I wouldn't want my brain to be any different. It's always going to be that way. You've just found a way to turn that into what makes you money, too. Yeah, it, well, it's it's like you figure out what are you good at and figuring out how things work and then simplifying them down is something that I'm pretty good at. And so obviously I didn't set out to do this on purpose, but it's the sort of thing where you, where you just see like, oh, where are the skills that you're good at useful? Mm. Yeah, sure. Some, sometimes there are totally downsides to a brain that constantly is going like, wait, how does that work? How does this work? Why, do, why is that the case? When I'm talking to people, I can, it can definitely be a downside sometimes where I'm like, oh, where did you hear that? How do you know that that's true? Why do you think that? Oh, if that was true, would that mean that this is true? Like that, that kind of stuff can totally get me in trouble in conversations with actual people where I think sometimes people feel like I'm interrogating them, but I don't really mean to. I'm just trying to follow through some of the things that are being said. Yeah. So there are yeah. totally downsides. But yeah, it's games for me are the way to turn that off and to actually relax. But what I mean by this trip being really pleasant is I feel like I've had the best of both worlds, that I have actually been able to relax and recharge for a big period of time. And also, the explainer part of my brain hasn't been completely inactive. Okay. It's had a pleasant, difficult puzzle to work on during that time, which is also a, like, no-stakes kind of puzzle of, how would you exp explain this incredibly complicated thing, and you're not allowed to simplify it because the complications are the whole point. So that's what's been going on, and it's been just a, a really fantastic month, although... Hmm. I have just recently finally, finally gotten back into actual work. So again, like this period of time is, is now over. Yeah. But Hello. it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is true. Actually, I, I told my parents, I was like, oh, can you please leave the house while I'm recording? Because now I actually need to work today. Yep. <laughs> it's like it's, work is back. Mike is here. Cortex merch. Dot com. Subtlety is back. I think we've maybe decided this is a product that gets a once a year release. I, I feel like that that works pretty well. I know that people love the subtlety. I always want more subtleties and sweaters because I wear them 
a lot. I am surprised how much I wear my own subtleties. Yes, I'm They're actually good. looking at my subtleties and going, I need more of these. So Mike needs to bring them back. This is one of those things where I think we had a good idea and it keeps working. And I know people that I know that own them, they love them because they're mm-hmm. really beautiful, fantastic, very nice, very classy, very subtle. You know, it's just a t-shirt mm-hmm. or a sweater with a little embroidered Cortex logo on the chest. It's fantastic. We have a two-week pre-order going on right now. You have until November 10th to get your order in. We're bringing back all of the colors from last year. So previously, it had just been blue. Mm-hmm. Then we brought in black and red options. This year, we're bringing those three back and introducing a brand new color green so there is both a green sweatshirt and tee as there is blue black and red ones so there's lots of color choices you could buy one you could buy them all i know i'm gonna get some more red and some green that's what i'm gonna get this time for sure i'm wearing my red sweater today and love it you're wearing your red one today yeah my red subtlety is the shirt that i own that gets me the most comments of any shirt because Mm. people will literally tell me oh my god you're wearing a color. Like, I've never <laughs> seen you wear a color. Yeah, I've never seen... I didn't know even know you owned the red one. I've never seen you in the red <laughs> one. I've seen you in the blue ones and the black ones. Yeah, I like the red one, but I'll tell you, everyone who knows me, they're shocked every time I wear the red. But I'm like, oh, but I think it's a really nice red. I quite like it. But I'm also going to add the green to my repertoire. I really like the color green for Good. this subtlety, so... I think, at least for me anyway, I'm going to do the same thing I do every year, which is I'm going to buy a bunch, and then I'm going to go six months from now. Oh, I don't think I actually quite bought enough. I need Mike to to put them back on sale again. So here we are. Get your subtleties, people. They're great. Cortexmerch.com This episode of Cortex is brought to you by FitBod, the fitness app that provides a personalized exercise plan, a fitness plan that actually fits you. Because, look... Fitness, it can be difficult to do on your own, and FitBob believes that everyone can be better. So it doesn't matter how much you're working out, whether it's a couple of times a week, maybe even a couple of times a day, you get to take advantage of FitBob's algorithms that use data and analytics to help you build in your previous workout to make sure that not only is your next workout scientifically proven to be better than the last, it's going to have been fine-tuned by certified personal trainers. FitBod brings the best practices of strength training to you because your workout program is tailored exactly to suit your own needs. It's going to be perfect for your body shape and size, your experience, your environment, and your goals. It's going to be set just right. Because look, it can be really hard to know how much you should be doing while exercising or even to know what to do. Like I never even really know what to do. And it's what I like about FitBod is that it shows you all of the exercises. It keeps them really varied and you get to see the little videos and the really detailed explanations to help make sure that you're doing it correctly. FitBod figures out just how much you need to be doing and what you need to be working on to make sure that you're mixing up your muscle groups, exercises, sets, reps, and weight to keep you on top form and so you don't have to worry about under or over training. If you're working out at home right now, FitBod has a bunch of bodyweight-only workouts. These are great indoors or outdoors. If you have access to a gym or gym equipment, they have tons of great workout options suited for this too. Basically, whatever you have, whatever you need, FitBod is there for any exercise routine to help make sure that you're staying on the path that's right for you to take steps to become a better version of yourself. FitBod is available on iOS and Android. You can get started right now just by going to fitbod.me slash Cortex. This is where you'll also get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash Cortex. Try out FitBod for free and get 25% off your FitBod membership. A thanks to FitBod for their support of this show and Relay FM. 
Talking about great, maybe I'm tipping my hand here. Oh. Brand new iPad mini. Oh, oh. do you like it, Mike? Do you have an opinion on the iPad mini? Have you given oh, away do your I? opinion right oh, at the start? Do I? do I love my iPad mini? So this is it's been out for like a month now. So uh, the iPhone event, Apple unveiled an iPad mini, which by and large is very styled around the kind of newer iPad aesthetic. So like maybe closer to the iPad Air, has Touch ID, mm-hmm. full screen, not no bezels, but much thinner bezels now. Nice and thin in a few different colorways. Supports the Apple Pencil. Mm-hmm. which is a thing that I think we spoke about on the show that we in the past that we thought would never happen. I think somebody sent me a clip of that at some point over the last couple of weeks, which is us believing that the Apple Pencil would never come to the iPad at this point. This was some time ago. And yeah, so we have a hmm. brand new design. Uh, you have one, right? You did get one? Well, okay, so no. I didn't get one. My wife ordered one that was delivered here to my parents' house. And so the box was just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I had no intention of buying the iPad mini. Do you want to know why, Mike? Why? It's so tiny. It's so teeny tiny. Like Mm -hmm. that screen, it feels like the screen is barely bigger than the big phone. Well, I don't think that's the case. I mean, in size, like when you look at it, like when they say like, oh, these are the sizes, it's like, oh, surely that's not that much bigger. But it is a big difference. But for me, it's not even so much the screen size. Even on the iPad mini, you have iPadOS. So... Mm-hmm. You're able to do That's more true. on that screen. I had no intention of getting the mini, but my mom did get a mini, and so I saw her using it. And I thought, ooh, that looks interesting. And then somehow my wife's iPad box got opened, and I installed my iCloud settings ah, uh, and one of my and iPad fell. backups. <laughs> I can't get up. <laughs> Onto my wife's iPad mini. You know, just to like, just to try it out, just to see. You, you know what my actual critical test for the iPad mini was? Is it too small to play magic on? The answer is no, it's not too small to play magic on. And so I may have been using my wife's iPad mini quite intensively for the past couple of weeks and i may certainly be ordering one for myself when uh-huh. i go back because i'm very surprised but i like it i like it quite a lot it seems extra ridiculous when i put it next to my giant ipad pro yeah but the thing that has been really interesting to me is realizing it's just a very nice notebook size Like, it's almost exactly the same pleasant size as our theme system journal. Yeah. It's like, what a great little size for a little companion iPad. And yeah, I've been surprised by how much I like it. And I've been surprised by how much I find myself reaching for it over my giant iPad Pro. It's a real win as a product. I absolutely loathe the volume button placement, but other than that, I have no complaints uh, for that iPad mini at all. Like, it's such a great little device. Yeah, with that, with the volume button thing, I feel like they gave and took away at the same time, right? Because it's weird because it's at the top, but I don't know if you'd notice this, but the up and down changes by device orientation. Yeah, no, I I, I have noticed that, but here's the I thing like that kills that. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, okay, here, yeah, great idea. I have I have no problem with that. I get why they did it. It helps make the volume button placement less weird. But now it bothers me that my big iPad doesn't work that way. 
right? Yeah. It's like, guys, yeah. this is this is a software thing. You should make all the volume buttons work this way, so yeah, that the one on really the top is <laughs> makes sense. That just because you moved it to the top now, it doesn't make sense. Because like the point is like that the, the the buttons are always fixed, and it doesn't matter where they are. If you change where the iPad's oriented, the buttons will be in technically different order. So I, it should be everywhere. I don't know why this is just a thing for the iPad mini yeah. but it is as of right now. They should do it on the phone too. Like if they make the decision that the button on top is always the up volume button, for the love of god, do it with all of your volume buttons. Don't yeah, do it, it with strange. one of your volume buttons. I was it's a very why, strange decision. But that's that's <laughs> kind of just how that's settled right now. The, the iPad mini now is it's the only iPad I'm using. Okay, so you used to have just the regular size one, right? You didn't have the Pro. Well, no, I have both Pros. Oh, okay. I, but I so I had the big one uh, that was what I always had. It started with that, and then with the eleven inch, I kind of started to move away from it. And then once I once I kind of became big Mac boy again, <laughs> I stopped using the twelve point nine inch completely and was just using mm-hmm. the eleven inch iPad Pro pretty much exclusively at home as my home computer. You know, it's like I'm at home, mm-hmm. I'm doing things, no matter what it is, I'm going to use my iPad for it. But now that has transitioned to the iPad mini because by and large, what I'm doing when I'm at home is like content consumption stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this iPad mini is like the best content consumption iPad that's ever been made. Like screen is just big enough for video and Mm -hmm. it's so small that you can hold it really comfortably in one hand. And it's also whilst very small, especially in like, especially when you have the, uh, the keyboard up in landscape, you don't really get a lot of information on the screen. It's big enough that I can like respond to some email, check a couple of spreadsheet things if I have to. And so I am actually now I'm going to be selling my big iPad, my 12.9. Oh. I just don't use okay, it Okay, so it's, it's really going. That size class for me is done now. Hmm. The smaller iPad Pro, I do like that I have. I haven't decided. That may go, but I've not, I've not made up my mind on that yet completely. Because mm-hmm. the Magic Keyboard is such a fantastic tool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to have an iPad with that keyboard right there is, is really great. I, I wish that there was some kind of solution for the iPad Mini. Not an impossible task, but a very difficult one. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? A one-handed Dvorak layout on that keyboard? I like, that have is a, used tiny space. a iPad Mini keyboard before. Uh, so at Bridge Keyboards, they used to make an iPad Mini keyboard. And very small but it could get the job done. Hmm. Nevertheless, like so I'm not I don't really know exactly what the iPad Pro will be for me in the future because the question mark that I keep having is like they're not going to update this mini as much as they update an iPad Pro and you know if I if I'm like oh I'm all mini all the time nothing's ever going to change me in 4 years time hmm. I'm going to be really upset because you know <laughs> they just haven't done anything with it. So I don't really know exactly what the future holds for me when it comes to the iPad. But right now, because this iPad mini has all of the specs that I care about the most, you know, like it's fast and it's capable, I can do anything I want with it. It really has just become like, this is the perfect iPad for what I'm using an iPad for now. I'm going to recommend with the keyboard stuff, like I think on the mini, it's way better to float the keyboard and use the little floating like iPhone style keyboard instead. The swipey guy. Yeah, I've been doing that. I've been doing that more. I've been doing the split keyboard a bit too, but the floating one is the best one because you could still just use one thumb while you're holding it to 
to mm-hmm. do all of that. Yeah. So that, that works pretty well. I've, I have bumped into a few applications that don't handle that very well. I don't know why. Hmm. I've had some stuff like since the iPad mini come out where like there's been some weird like just UI things that have been going on, which is starting to get cleared up. But mm-hmm. one of my favorite was the uh, carrot weather widget. Like the, the widget shows you like a seven day forecast and it would show me mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Sunday. Because Thursday, right, yeah. Friday, and Saturday would get cut off, and that was very funny <laughs> to me. You know, like just a couple of days would just get cut out of the widget. You know, because it it is slightly different in size and all that kind of stuff. And so with these kinds of things, because they just drop them all of a sudden, some developers. Yeah, this this is always the case when when Apple has a new screen size. Is you, mm-hmm. you have to expect for the first month, there's a lot of like UI weirdness. Oh, the Magic app isn't full screen. There's weird black bars on the side. It's like right because they had no idea this was coming. And yeah, I've definitely noticed a few other things that are that are a bit weird. Mm-hmm. The other thing that like this this one reminded me that I totally forgot that I used to do is is like that split keyboard where you can use two thumbs to type uh, on either side of the screen. I find that a really comfortable input method. Mm-hmm. And I forgot that I used to, with one of my very old minis, sometimes take it out on a walk and use that double thumb split keyboard right. as, a, as a way to like write down ideas really quickly. And I've been doing that again, like as I've, as I've been taking little walks around here. And I just love it as an input method. I find it just very pleasant. It's faster than on the phone with one thumb but the device isn't so big that it like i'm not going to take my giant ipad pro out for a walk and and use like a split keyboard on either side like that's dumb i just i really like the size of it and i also find with the cover and ah, hallelujah the flat sides like when you fold that cover back and with the flat sides it's so comfortable to hold and i feel like i have such a solid grip on it that it is a thing that i can like take out for a little walk to the local coffee place and like have out while I'm walking and thinking and, and writing down some ideas. Like it's, it really is just a fantastic little form size. I think they did such a good job with it. And I'm with you, Mike, like for whatever reason, Apple seems to not enjoy updating their small devices. But right now, while it's new and it's still reasonably fast and can do all the modern things, like I think it's a it's a fantastic little little iPad. Maybe if we just convince all the Cortexans to buy them, then maybe they will <laughs> update it more frequently because like, we just need to become complete evangelists for the iPad mini now, which I have no problem yes. being because it is an absolutely superb little device. I have the purple one with the cherry case and it's such a nice little pairing and this thing's going to like one of the things that I've been struggling with when thinking about getting back into travel again is I'm not going to want to have just an iPad with me anymore, which is what I was doing with some trips yeah. before. It was just an iPad. Like I'm now going to want to have a MacBook Pro with me, especially when we talk about the new MacBook Pros in a minute. <laughs> I, you know, all I'm going to want is to have a MacBook Pro with me. And I was struggling mm. about like, would I want to, bring an ipad like i really love mm-hmm. my ipad for like everything i do when i'm stationary you know like when i'm at home i barely use my phone i use my ipad you know like that's what i like and if i'm on vacation if i'm hanging out or we're in the room like i would want to use an ipad for all of those things right like when i'm not mm-hmm. doing work but i'm not on the go like you know this is kind of the way that i like to to, to consume content and media and stuff and if I was going to be bringing my iPad Pro 
then that's like a big heavy thing because I'm going to bring my iPad Pro, I'm going to bring it in the Magic Keyboard because, of course, and then it's like now I'm bringing two laptops with me. Of course, yes. Right? Yeah, 100%, you're bringing two laptops. Yeah, and now with this little thing, it just can just be thrown in the bag in like the book pocket, not even in the laptop pocket. Like <laughs> my tote bag has like a book pocket where I put my journal and this goes in with it. Like, and it mm-hmm. just feels like nothing. It doesn't feel like I'm bringing any additional weight with me. And it's just, it, it's made even that kind of equation way easier for me. We're like, it's a no brainer. I'll bring this iPad with me. It's no problem. I could just put it mm-hmm. in my jacket pocket if I want to. <laughs> You could put it in your jacket pocket. Oh, I put it in my pajama pocket if it's... <laughs> it's. It's an interesting question. I don't know if when I get my mini, if it's a thing that I'll bring on trips with me, but I will definitely be tempted. I think I won't because my perfect travel solution is I have the MacBook and I bring the big iPad Pro because when I'm working, I use Sidecar to have the two screens for the computer, which is... One of my favorite things Apple has ever done. Like, God damn, is that an amazing feature. Hey, I mean, you could do it with the little one if you want, <laughs> right? I don't know how good it's going to be. You know, like, I'm actually sitting here right now. I've never even tried. I don't even think I've ever seriously ever used Sidecar. Oh, my God. Sidecar is the best, Mike. It's my favorite thing ever that's Apple done. I have, like, tried it, but I've never, like, mm-hmm. seriously used it. So how do you use it? Do you set it up as a separate monitor or is it like just for certain apps yeah so it it, like sidecar allows it to function as a separate monitor that that's really all it is it's like you plugged in an external display to your computer and that that's why like you know on on my writing retreat it's like i've got my laptop and i have the second monitor and that allows me you know without having to actually bring a second monitor to have a really great working setup where it's like i can have notes on one screen and a script on the other and it's like yeah i know i can put them side by side on the same screen but it is so much nicer it's so much easier to be able to spread out across two screens like it it really is like whatever engineers that apple worked on sidecar like thank you it is my favorite thing in years and years that apple did and like it allows me when traveling to just really get so much more out of these things the, the only thing i'm always wondering is like hey could i connect more than one ipad to my laptop because i would totally consider doing it with three so i could have two screens on either side of my laptop when i'm working but it would be amazing if i could do that with the mini so do sidecar to the big ipad and do sidecar to the tiny ipad I wouldn't be surprised if Sidecar doesn't actually work with the iPad Mini. I wouldn't be surprised if they hard-coded that in to be like, no. I've got it running right now. Oh, it does work. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I'll have to play Oh, it. hey, look, it's like a little touch bar down here. <laughs> What's going on? So I've got Safari open and it's showing me all the tabs like a touch bar. Yeah, the, the Sidecar lets you have some little iOS-style controls along the side of your second monitor. I turn all of those off because I just want to use it as a second monitor because I want to be able to use the keyboard on my laptop to just move between all of the windows and everything very quickly i'm not going to touch the screen all right well when we're done with this show i'm going to have to go try a sidecar with my mini i don't think it will be the same but i'll be curious to give it a yeah, shot well, let me tell you it works it's tiny <laughs> <laughs> right like I, any app i'm putting on this i have to significantly <laughs> scale down in size but I don't know. What do you put on the side? Like, what are you putting on Sidecar? Like, what are you putting on the display? So usually the way it works is I have like my script writing app on the main display, and then I have 
notes or safari on the second display and so that's how i'm using it to like divide up the screen I think perhaps the only thing that Sidecar would be useful for the Mini is to just run Carrot Weather in it uh, full screen so you have like a little display that shows you what the weather is. I think that's about that's about what the Mini yeah, size I mean, screen like, would be good for. I just put Slack there and like, you know, it's mm-hmm. filling up the entire display or whatever, but it's all perfectly readable because the screen's so crisp. Yeah, I'll be curious to play with it. But it's just, I don't know, maybe, maybe like I just, ha- I tend to have apps bigger than i need them maybe on the mac in general because i have all the screen space you know mm-hmm. but like i'm I'm throwing things on there now and yeah i have to resize them or whatever but it works perfectly well interesting i might play around with it some more i think especially when i'm traveling i might play around with sidecar some more it's not really something that i've used very much because you know like i have a, a like a 30 inch display for my laptop and so I just use that mm-hmm. one. And for my iMac, I have, you know, the iMac is 21 inches. And then I have another display on the side that you know, the, the Dell mm-hmm. display that I was using when I was using a Mac mini on this desk, I just turned it on its side. So it's a portrait monitor. And I have all of the recording yeah. tools just on that window. So like my audio hijack and Skype and all that kind of stuff is just on that monitor. And it's just left alone and never touched. So, you mm-hmm. know, I'm used to using maybe different display situations where, I don't know, I don't find myself working just from a laptop very much, so I haven't maybe felt the need to even think about what Sidecar would provide me. Yeah, I love it, but it's also a side effect of I'm using the other full-size one, which with my current laptop doubles the screen real estate, and I just find really, really useful. And Yeah, that is cool, though. Decramps the writing environment. I'm like, mm. oh, great, I've got more space here for notes and scripts. I don't have to flip back and forth between the two of them, or I don't have to squeeze it so that either of them is half the half the single screen size. But So I will, because of that, I will always be traveling with whatever the biggest iPad is that Apple makes. I mean, I'll just put a little asterisk on that in case they make like a table size one. I'm not going to travel with that. The biggest one they currently make, I'm going to have. But I could honestly find myself tempted to bring along the Mini as well, precisely for what you're saying, because it feels like it's nothing to pack. Like, why not have it? It's a it's a great little size. And there's lots of situations where I could imagine just wanting to, especially when I'm traveling, for a light day, just go out with that Mini and not take anything else. So I I think I will be tempted to travel with it, even though it is somewhat ridiculous to be traveling with a laptop and two iPads. I don't think I could bring myself to that, honestly. (laughs) I'll be tempted. I'll let you know. Next time I'm wrapping up all my packing, I'll let you know what I've decided to bring. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the only one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace have got you covered. They really have everything that you're going to need to create a beautiful and modern website. Squarespace combines cutting-edge design and world-class engineering to make it easier than ever to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. You get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources. You don't have to install, patch, or upgrade anything. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. They have the ability for you to easily grab a domain name you can use seo and email marketing tools squarespace gives you everything that you're going to need to help you succeed you can use squarespace to showcase your artwork of an incredible portfolio announce an upcoming event promote your business turn your big idea into a new website and give it that home you can be proud of and even publish your next blog post 
You start with a professionally designed template. You use their drag and drop tools to make it feel like your own. You customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale and more with just a few clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile. So your content's gonna look fantastic on every type of device. I have been using Squarespace for various projects over the last 10 years. It's where I go when I wanna put something online. They make it so easy and so simple. They let you focus on the content. They let you focus on the purpose of the website. You don't have to spend a ton of time trying to work out how to get it online. Go to squarespace.com slash Cortex for a free trial today with no credit card required. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code Cortex and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash Cortex. And then when you sign up, use the offer code Cortex to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of Cortex and RelayFM. So we had to move this episode because of the travel stuff and then we moved it again and then we moved it one more time because apple had another event and i felt very confident that we would want to talk about what was announced on that event and Mm -hmm. we would have been recording just before it and i felt like that i didn't want to make another episode out of time yeah we, we didn't want to do two episodes out of time it was also partly my fault. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it in more text. But I, I did a little bit of like a trip within a trip. So I, I as always, am constantly causing mic problems with the scheduling. So yeah, we bump stuff back. But when you told me like, oh, there's going to be uh, the MacBook Pro event maybe. Mm-hmm. And we were scheduled to record the day before. It's like, well, that just seems silly. Let's Let's wait and see. And... I don't want to tip my hand, Mike, by, you know, giving away my opinion right at the start, but it was great to wait for these MacBooks, which as far as I can tell, have been delivered directly from heaven by angels to us to use on Earth. (laughs) Not that you want to tip your opinions of it too soon. (laughs) They did it, man. They done did it, though, right? Like... So we are recording just before we get them. Like maybe by the time this episode's out, I might have mine. My, I kind of spec mine out in such a way that it's taking a little bit longer. Like I, I didn't just go with one of the default options. Like I made some choices. So it's kind of coming towards the end of next week for me, uh, maybe the week after that. But these computers are just, they're just obscene in the greatest possible way. I'm so excited, man. I was very fortunate because I was out traveling and and filming and doing a couple things on the actual day, but I got back to my hotel room just in time. It was, again, it was, it was perfect. Like the angels were guiding me to the exact perfect moment that I wanted to be at because when I turned on the Apple event, they literally just said the, like the one final word about their AirPods. And then they're like, and now let's talk about the Macs. <laughs> Great. I've arrived. Perfect. And it was 30 minutes of glory. Like rarely have I been so happy at an Apple event for all of the stuff that they did with the laptops. And like, it just kept getting better and better. And like, I have been dying for an upgrade to my MacBook Pro. And it's like, man, they they just, they delivered on every single mark. And, you know, I know a lot of professionals will, will talk about this sort of thing, but my experience in particular was, you know, that day I had been out i had been filming something i was driving so i had two dash cams recording and i had another camera that was running in the car and i had like another camera that i was using and you know what i got back to the hotel room with 
handfuls of SD cards that I needed to unload onto my current laptop. And so like when I'm watching this event and they said, oh, and we've put an SD card reader right in the laptop. I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like no port could be more welcomely received by me than that right now in this moment when I've got a pile of these freaking things and it's so annoying to use dongles and adapters to try to get it through and they're always so much more flaky. Like, that's just the most minor of things that they put an SD card in, but like, I, like I couldn't have been more primed to be thrilled at that at like one addition in that moment than than I was. I was like, oh my god, please keep talking about these computers. Tell me more. And boy, did they have more. Yeah, I think the whole ports thing is interesting because what they did with it really, they made a bunch of niches of people happy, and then someone like yeah. me who very rarely needs an SD card or a HDMI port. Like, but I do need mm. them, you know, maybe once a year I'll need it or whatever. So it's like they make the make people who really need it really happy. And then people like me, it's kind of like, okay, great. I know it's, I have it now. Yeah. Like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not like super excited about it. They could have just given me, I mean, honestly, I would have like probably preferred two more USB-C ports or Thunderbolt 4 ports than, than those to be to, for me right like why not mm. I basically everything I own now is either that or I've replaced cables I've done that a lot mm-hmm. I have USB-B to USB-C connectors oh, for some yeah. of my audio gear right <laughs> yep. so like just over time uh, I've been slowly changing them over anyway but also I guess like most people I've invested in docking solutions, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to change any of that. Like, when I'm at my desk, I have a dock and it has all the ports that I need or whatever, which is awesome. But now I'm just pleased that they have done it for the people that need it. I totally agree with that. Like, when they were talking about the HDMI port, I'm literally not even sure what that's for. Like, I think that's for external displays or something. I'm not Displays, like... projectors in offices is mm. a really big use case. You know, like you, you need to connect to a projector to do your presentation. Having a HDMI mm-hmm. port is massively helpful for that kind of stuff. Oh, right. Okay, so I guess that's the replacement for like those old... VGA. Um, pin yeah, yeah the vga pin connectors oh okay all right that makes that makes sense then but yeah i thought like oh somebody somewhere is really happy about this hdmi port and i'm really happy about the sd card slot and this is what a pro machine should have is like these these solutions for people so yeah back when i used to get really annoyed about USB-C, i did look into like a whole bunch of the limitations and i and i do think the way the spec is for USB-C, i don't think we're ever really going to see more than four USB-C ports on a laptop just because of the like power delivery requirements for the mm. for those versions. So I, I think they are kind of always limited to four. Like I agree with you more USB-C ports would be great, but I think I have a better technical understanding of why nothing on the face of the earth has more than right. four USB-C ports, which is hugely frustrating, but at least I can now like accept it for what it is. I will say for me, technically I'm gaining one because my 13-inch MacBook Pro only has two USB-C ports. Mm-hmm. And so the new 14 has three and then MagSafe, which I'm pretty excited yes. about coming back as a, as a charging option. Like MagSafe is mm-hmm. a better charging 
connector yeah. than USB-C. Like, it's way nicer. And I like that they didn't create an integrated brick this time. Like, it's it's just a cable. It's like USB-C yes. on one end, MagSafe on the other end. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm happy about that. Like, while I am trying to very slowly convert everything in my life to USB-C, and I want to limit the number of connectors that exist, MagSafe is the only one they could bring back that... I'm happy to add to the list of things Mm -hmm. because again, especially while traveling, it is like, like even right now I'm in my parents, uh, I'm in my parents walk-in closet with a bunch of clothes uh, Mm -hmm. to try to dampen the echo. So the recording is, is much better this time, but like when you're using your laptop on the road in a bunch of weird spots, like right now I have a USB-C wire that is just, it's under tension to reach the plug on the other side. And it is just begging for me to trip over it and smash the laptop and mess up the recording gear. So like MagSafe is the one where like that additional feature of just just breaking upon contact is really useful. And I have totally on the road, like had some real dicey moments of, oh God, <laughs> the laptop's about to go flying. So I'm, I'm very happy to have that back as well. And, you know, it, it really does feel like a, a useful additional connector to have for people who are using the laptops in unusual situations where the probability of snagging the mm. the charging cord is way higher. So yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy to bring that back. It is funny to call it MagSafe, like to have both products called MagSafe because there is no safe part in the phone. Like there's no safe. Like if you trip over a MagSafe connector attached to a phone, the phone is going with the connector. It's funny. I totally forgot that Apple called the other one MagSafe because yes, that doesn't make any sense at all. And it's funny. I'm, I'm I'm currently going to put that one as one of their weirdest connectors. I still feel like... I don't really know what they're up to with that iPhone MagSafe connector, um, but whatever. We'll it's see. It's just like wireless charging, but make it prettier. Yeah, it's wireless charging, but it's connected. I don't know. But also, like, why can't I put that MagSafe connector on the back of my iPad mini? Shouldn't I be able to do that now? Oh, okay. I really wish they would have done that. That would be so sweet. At least, I, at least they put USB-C on the iPad mini, though, so... You know, it's not all bad. Yeah. Oh, let me just minorly complain about pro stuff as well. Let me tell you, when you've shot several hours of HDR video footage on your new pro phone and you go to download that onto your computer over a lightning connector, boy, are you made aware of how slow lightning is for transferring Mm. big file sizes. I've never been more annoyed. I was like, God damn it, guys. If you're going to have a pro phone that's shooting files that are like 50 gigs in size, you should probably put a USB-C connector on your phone if you really want people to be using this for video production. But anyway, we're not complaining about the phones. We're talking about laptops from heaven, which are just fantastic. Like, I think the other thing that I was really happy about is those processors that they put in there Mm. are totally nuts like the numbers that they were giving for the faster render times again i could not have been more receptive to this because like i mentioned really quickly when i was working on that poem video because that was an unusually long video and it also had an unusually large number of cuts and it was doing more complicated things like mixing in real footage with pre-rendered animation stuff that took 
forever to render the final version on my computer. I think it was like four hours to render the final version of that thing at, at full quality. And these are laptops for professionals. I'm very glad to have this MacBook Pro. But Dan, like those four hours definitely meant like some days it was just too late to be able to upload the video anyway. So it would cost me a day and then I'd be working the next morning. So it's like, holy moly, if there's a laptop that can cut a five-hour project down into a one-hour project, it's like, Tim Apple, you can't take my money fast enough to get that laptop. I just opened my wallet and I told him to reach in and take however much he wanted out and give me the fastest laptop they made. Because, yeah, it really matters for rendering big, complicated video projects and... That doesn't matter all the time, but when it's a problem, it can be a real critical problem and really delay a project. So I was just thrilled with that. They were talking about like these laptops with the M1 Pro and Max chips can render, I don't remember which one, it's probably the M1 Max, but can render a video faster than a Mac Pro with an afterburner card in it. Yeah, yeah. Which is just, that's it's obscene. <laughs> Again, I, I think people underappreciate how much Apple is quietly pushing into the entertainment industry on the production side. It's little things like this, like the, you know, the reason that it can render that so much faster is because they designed part of the Mac's processor to specifically handle the ProRes format, mm -hmm. which is what Final Cut uses when you're working on videos. And, you know, it's like, this is all the stuff that I use. And so... This is Apple at their best, where it's like, if they control the whole stack, they've made Final Cut, which is the software you're using to make videos. They've helped design the video format that the program works in. And then they can also design the chip that it's running on to have hardware designed to accelerate just this part. Like, that's why they're able to hit these totally crazy numbers. And I think anyone who works in the entertainment industry has to take notice at that kind of stuff because long render times are total killers for projects. And again, my, my videos are short and small. Like I know people who make longer videos, you know, and they have to, uh, especially if they're traveling and they're just using a laptop, like they have to dedicate a whole day just to rendering out like a two hour video file. I remember that MKBHD would take an iMac Pro with him to events. Yeah. Because he used to try and use a laptop and it would mean he couldn't upload before he would leave. Because he's doing everything in like wild 8K and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And people hear something like that and they think it's crazy. But this is also where like you have to think about it in a professional setting where, the you know, the difference to MKBHD about being the first or the fifth to upload a video about a brand new technology product, like the difference to him is worth way more than like the cost of bringing that iMac Pro with yep. him to render the files. Yep. It's just interesting. Like I, I look at what Apple's doing and I think they are really trying to take market share from Adobe with this key selling feature of like, but look how fast we can render out the final video project. Why do you think they're doing this? Because it just felt like they didn't care for a while. Like what do you have any kind of feeling on that? Like I, I agree with what you're saying. Like they're they're building into the chips. 
like which is really super interesting the ability to handle all this stuff better but like it feels like it's can't be that many people like it's like an interesting thing to go to these kinds of levels for it so here's my estimation again just from like being a youtuber i'm on the edges of some people who work in the the real entertainment industry you know on on like big projects Mm mm-hmm and what I my take on this is, yeah, you're right. This isn't a huge market in the sense of the laptop market is tiny compared to the iPhone market. And then I think when you're looking at people who work in professional video production, that is much smaller again than the laptop market. So it's not a huge number of people. But the budgets for big, proper, professional like Hollywood and TV and Netflix productions... They're huge. And so what I think Apple is trying to go for here is the market is not big, but for those people, the cost of the hardware is a trivial part of the whole cost of the production. You know, so like you're you're making a TV show. And even if we take a look at the Mac Pro and it's like, okay, you say you full, fully spec out a Mac Pro and it's 20 grand. That's like nothing in the budget for making a TV show for a streaming service. Mm. It's like a trivial cost compared to everything else. So I think Apple is pushing in this way because it's just a market for whom the cost of the product is almost irrelevant compared to their other costs. And also the computers that are rendering the final products are very frequently the bottleneck for lots of other things to happen. They're the bottlenecks for, say, being able to render a file of the production and process for one of the executive producers to watch. Because you can't have him, like, watch your raw version that you're editing. You need to render something for him to be able to see. And if you're working on, like, a big complicated thing, that's going to take a long time. You know, let alone whenever you have a deadline for a TV series or a movie, it's like, boy, you better hit it. And guess what? You know, like, I know this from my own teeny tiny projects. After you render the file, you better watch it through all the way to make sure there wasn't a last-minute mistake. And if you make a last-minute mistake, you have to re-render the whole thing. And so as you get closer to whatever the deadline is, if you're working on something complicated and it takes a day and a half to render, and then there's an error after it's done and it takes another day and a half, like you can be in trouble real fast. And there's huge amounts of money on the line for hitting, you know, production deadlines. So that's like, I don't know for sure, but that's my feeling about why is Apple pushing in this way is they've identified a market that has a problem they can totally solve because they control the complete stack and who is also willing to pay almost any amount of money to make this problem uh, significantly better. So I would easily predict that these laptops, like it's their first go at doing this, but I expect when they come out with their next Mac Pro with their new chips, the numbers that they're going to be able to put up for rendering projects on Final Cut, I think those numbers are going to be in sane right they're, they're going to be able to say like we can render a video file in 150th the time right yeah and yeah, and that's yeah. where like those mac pros are not for normal people 
I think everything the way Apple talked about their old Mac Pros, and I bet even more so for the next one, like no normal person should buy a Mac Pro. They are pitching this as a solution for the entertainment industry. I think that's going to become even even more so. What do you mean? If you wanted a really powerful Mac, oh man, I want the most power in my Macintosh, or like, you know, like, oh, I make some YouTube videos every now and again, like, it's not my, it's like a side thing for me, but I want to spend, waste, not waste time, or, you know, like, or whatever, mm-hmm. like, you get a get a Mac Pro, right? You're like, oh, I just like to own the fastest Mac I can own, I'll get a Mac Pro. I just don't think that many of those uh, reasons are going to exist anymore, because, the laptops are so incredibly powerful. The next iMac revisions are going to be so incredibly powerful. And that's before yeah. you even start getting to the Mac Pro. So, like, I think it's going to become even more edge of edge case. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Just as a little example, but, you know, even if it's come up on this trip, it's like, oh, the new MacBook Pros, the display allows you to actually color grade properly to HDR footage. On the current MacBooks, you can kind of do it and you'll know it'll be mostly okay but you know it's not actually going to be the way that it really looks it's like oh on the new ones you can properly grade hdr footage to the right color why would they do that like that's not a feature that basically anyone in the world cares about unless you're in video production and even there you have to be in pretty high-end video production to care about that i do think that there is a certain type of buyer which includes me which is like i just like knowing i own a computer that can do that oh yeah yeah obviously there's there's a way that they can talk about it and it's just like oh it's cool to know that your computer now has a a trillion to one contrast mm-hmm. ratio like they love being able to say those numbers but i'm just saying getting it to the point where it can color grade hdr footage is a very different and also very specific thing to hit that's different from just like we made the colors even better mm-hmm. so I, I just feel like the messaging here is really like it kind of reminds me of how ages ago apple really made a push into schools to be you know in the education world it just feels to me like they're trying to do that now, that they're trying to push into the entertainment production world. And I, I suspect, like, Apple has a little bit of a problem if you compare Final Cut to Adobe software, which is, I've used both. I know lots of people who are familiar with both. I would say the general consensus is that Final Cut is much more pleasant to use, but it's a program that works best if you are an individual. You can use it in Teams, but it is a little bit more work to do that. Whereas Adobe is clearly designed as like a Teams-first product. But I think like maybe what Apple's trying to go for here is they're trying to catch people like they did in education where someone is at the start of their career in entertainment. Maybe they're a person who has a YouTube channel and they're a one-person show. Or they're just an influencer who's like using their computer to put together videos and as that person grows, banking on, oh, they use Final Cut, and they got familiar with this, and they're using a Mac, and then as these like new people get larger in the entertainment world, they're the ones, since they like and use Final Cut, who can enforce the, like, okay, my little production company, we're going to standardize on Final Cut. We're not going to standardize on Adobe because it's what I know. I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of my guess, is I feel like maybe they're trying to catch people at the start, get them familiar with Final Cut by having all of these huge advantages of, like, everyone knows if you're making videos, Final Cut on a Mac 
is huge and fast and then you know standardize your small production house when you become successful around this product and then when you're running a production house and you start dealing with much much bigger budgets you don't care at all about how much the new mac pro costs you just want the fastest computer that can render it so I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's kind of my guess about what Apple's strategy is here. And I just feel like lots of things are pointing in that direction. And this new amazing MacBook Pro feels to me like it has a lot of things pointing in that direction. All right, Gary, let's finish up on a hashtag Ask Cortex question for today. I have one uh, mm-hmm. for you from Eli. And Eli wants to know, does Gray still listen to Girl Talks All Day? I was just re-listening <laughs> to an old episode of the show and I'd totally forgotten about this album. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, good good timing for this question because my various I listen to songs on repeat go in and out of favor over uh, the course of months and years. And Girl Talk All Day had actually been really out of favor for a long time. But actually, on this most recent writing trip, it came back in a big way. Oh. Like, I listened to it just a ton. And I think it's not a coincidence I think it happened precisely because like I just really 100% needed to get right back into writing when normally I would just collapse after a big video like the poem video. And so, uh, yeah, it, it actually was the first thing I queued up like the morning after that poem video went out. It's like I got up. It's like, okay. All right, dude, time to get to work. Uh, and so I put on my headphones and I loaded up Girl Talk all day. And yeah, I hadn't listened to it in a really long time. But I will say like, God damn, I love that album. I think it is total genius. And I listened to it on repeat in the mountains of Switzerland probably 200 times. <laughs> I haven't listened to it in a really long time. I don't know if it's something that like you just put on in the background or just... No, it's focused. I it's, to me, it feels so specific. Yeah, right? you, you, you've got to be like, I want to listen to this album now. Right, like I don't yeah. think it's like you don't just like, like for me, like one of the things that I was talking about around that time, I think, was Taicho, uh, Taiko, T Y C H O, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and and I can put that on in both instances. I can put his music on when I'm just hanging out, or I can put it on when I'm trying to focus for work. Like it works for both of those for mm-hmm. me because it's more like it's got you know it's got a good beat to it that can, can pump me up but it also is pretty chill yeah he, he was a great recommendation of yours like i've i've yeah. added a ton of uh stuff of his to my playlist and he is on yeah. he is on the board he's like lo-fi chill hop adjacent kind of music yes. yeah uh, yeah it, it does it does hit both marks like you can have it as background music to just relax and you can also have it as music while you're working which um is is a it's a hard line to straddle for me, but he definitely does that. But the Girl Talk album is very much not background music, I feel like. It's, it's, it's a lot more in your face. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one way to put it, for sure. Have you tried out any of the spatial audio Dolby Atmos music that Apple Music has? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I've listened to any of the spatial audio okay. music. I've just listened to the spatial audio when watching TV sometimes, right. which is very odd, and I'm still... I'm still not sure about it. Like, I don't know why this audio needs to sound like it's coming out of my iPad. I would just prefer it to sound like amazing surround sound. But yeah, the music is more that the music is more surround sound than coming from the phone or whatever. And it's kind of that's how it's made to be. Like the music is meant to kind of like surround you. That's, you know, does more of that. I don't know. I mean, maybe I have. I get, I've, I've said before, I feel like I have a real 
tin ear for music. I'm not a very musical person. Mm. And so it may be that I totally did listen to it and was just completely not aware. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But This is something like I've had this at home. I said to Adina, like, oh, try this. And she just doesn't hear it. And like it's just yeah. different people reacting in different ways. Like I have friends who hate it and mm-hmm. I really like it. You know, like, I think it's just, it's it's definitely a personal preference thing about how you relate to it. Mike, you send me some hip tracks. Awesome. And I'll, I'll give them a listen. All right, I'll find some hip tracks for you. I'll load them up on my turntable and tell you what I think. Yep, you're going to spin the wheels of steel. Oh, sure, yes, that's exactly right. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, next time... State of the apps for 2022. Oh my God, it's the end of the year it's almost, Mike. Nearly, yeah. We've got two more. All right. Like, we're, we're, moving horrifying. In, we're moving into the busy period, I guess. From busy period to busy period. So, State of the apps 2022. So, uh, if you haven't listened to a State of the apps episode before, I maybe recommend trying lot, like the 2021 episode. We basically go through our devices and talk about all the services and applications that we enjoy using. Mm-hmm. I think we maybe. We'll touch on some iOS 15 stuff, like the focus mode stuff. We might talk about that as part of the discussion uh, for this mm. one. So I will ask if anybody has any like app service system kind of related, like workflowy questions related to how we get our work done with the devices and apps that we use. Uh, you can send in some hashtag Cortex questions for those, and we might pick some out to answer in the episode. And just before we go, don't forget to get your subtle tea and subtle sweater. It's only available for two weeks. Go to cortexmerch.com. Puppy, I need to put you down. Oh. Sorry, Lucy's very heavy.